man who knows everything. He knows what happened in Roswell. And uh, <laughs> he's going to try to tell us that it's weather balloons, but blink twice if there's a man in a dark suit there. Um, That's right. You just right. show him. He's... Yeah, 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 yeah. Smile and wave. <laughs> smile and wave. Uh-huh. Stick to the That's script, right. David. You don't want to become right. like JFK, all right? You know, you That's stick right. to the script. That's uh, right. That's right. So you just show me right behind you, the F-117 Nighthawk. Yeah, I might have to turn off the light to see if we can get nope. a clear picture. There's nope. some glare on it. Nope. So I can but, see it. This is one of the paintings I, I was given as a gift when I got out of the Air Force because my last my last duty was historian from 96 to 98 uh, for the F-117 stealth fire, the Nighthawk. And so it's, it's really um, – uh, it's it's within my top three favorite aircraft in the entire oh, yeah. U.S. military arsenal. I mean, oh, yeah. I absolutely love it. There's a lot to talk about still. There's a lot that's uh, apparently uh, still being revealed yeah. about this thing. Yeah. And uh, I, I was... tell you what, I, you you had me thinking about this for the last two days when you sent me a text and you well, I got that. Do... I got that from Reddit. There's one of my favorite subreddits. It's called R Special Access. And it's yeah. all about special access programs, and um, I, yeah, you always see great stuff there. It's it's a pretty well run sub. There's really no conspiracies. There's no. It's pretty, you know, it's pretty good. And right. uh, I saw one, and it said something about F one seventeen had a secondary role or a or a, pri- or a secret role of being able to shoot air to air at Soviet AWACS. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, well, yeah, that you know that makes because we're so used to fighting like. Afghanistan and Iraq and we forget that we were going toe to toe with a formidable enemy for decades and I thought that's right I thought that makes perfect sense you have your stealth fighter with the RCS of a ball bearing according to Ben Rich yeah why would you not want to bring that right up to an AWACS and knock it out of the sky and I sent that to you knowing you would love it you got yeah. right back to me and you said send me, you said, send me that link you said I need to make some phone calls and I was like well now we gotta do a podcast so yeah so yeah and I did I made some phone calls and I'm just going um, I even contacted my old boss yeah in uh, before I got out we had a new historian came in higher ranking than me and he was there for several years after I got out and he still did some moving around before he retired Um, But I was able to track him down and actually talk to him for about half an hour on the phone yesterday. And he and I both were going, okay, where on earth would they even put a sidewinder type or sparrow missile or something like that on this stealth fighter to even attempt to shoot down something air to air? It's just, we were both, we were flabbergasted. We were like, what the, shut the front door, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Place on this fighter to do that, and it's. It, I think they talked about doing this, you know, theoretically or whatever. Um, I I read the article, I listened to the entire podcast. I've been thinking about it for two days, made some phone calls, and I'm just going. It, it's still, it's still hard for me to believe that this particular weapon platform even had that capability. It's just. It's it, nothing that I remember it doing. Let's put it that way. To me, that just it just makes it all so much spicier because it's like I see this and I'm like, well, of course I wouldn't know. I'm just Bob civilian. But it's, I was like, David Libby will know. Yeah, and, yeah. and and you're going, what is this? And that just makes me think of like 
Manhattan Project, how they said like 150, wasn't that 150,000 people were working on it and didn't know what, didn't know what project they're on. They said 150,000 people were working on it and didn't know they were working on it. And so it's just like these tiers of secrecy and classification. And here I am thinking I'm going to get the, the lowdown from you. And you're like, I didn't know about this. And it's just like, it's, it's 2020. And it's like, here's That's someone right. that your words like you could go into vaults remember you saying you could look at all mm -hmm. these documents yep. and you yep. didn't know about this so yeah. Yeah. And, and it's it's hard to it's hard to dispute you know here we have in this article this uh, uh well-decorated uh actual pilot who worked with this and flew this weapons platform day in and day out um you know in, in one aspect obviously he, he knows a lot more than i do about the idiosyncrasies of it the nuances of the plane that it's it's actual physical capabilities um you know the pilot know-how because i didn't fly the thing myself mm. you know i'm reading tech manuals this that and the other and and, and interviewing um pilots and, and commanders and stuff like that and trying to make sure we get all this information as accurate as possible for future generations and whatnot and, and i never once came across this bit of information and neither had my boss who was in it longer than i was even and, and we just we kept scratching our heads for a half an hour We're like uh, how do you how do you go okay sorry uh pilot who you know who flew this aircraft you're lying you know it, yeah i don't think he was no honest it's there's no reason to lie i mean it's I mean, you really want to go down the rabbit hole, you could you could be, you know, hey, we were lying sure. about what our capabilities were 30 years ago to intimidate them today. But right. to me, that is that is less believable than the fact that or the idea that it just had a secret capability. Right. And it's so. So I was looking at all these, you know, all these comments. And again, a layman like myself with a biology degree like this. This isn't my this isn't <laughs> my, uh, you know, field of right. expertise by any means. But. I was reading saying that, or I was reading all these comments in uh, part of the podcast, and they're saying that how would this even carry those missiles? Because at that time, they said the technology required these, you know, the oh, what is it called? The I'm I'm at a I'm having a brain fart. The type of like like not LCD, the the type of sensor it needs. They said these these things had to be cooled. They said the whole apparatus it was you know like anything like a a vacuum tube computer taking up a four story house in the fifties versus a right. smartphone now. Right. They said the technology right. wasn't even there to put in a missile, and if it was, they said of anything the F one seventeen wouldn't be able to carry this. What do you, I'm going to talk less because I want to hear what you say about this. I talk enough <laughs> every episode. This is this is David Cast. Well, it's you know what's interesting is if if I were to um, analyze a specific part of that particular interview with the pilot, um, one thing that caught my attention more than anything else it's it's not necessarily that the it has the capability and possibility of carrying an air to air missile, but the part of the interview that struck me as really odd is okay. Um, targets of opportunity going into the combat zone now, the thing is only carries two bombs essentially so it only has the room for one bomb on one side or missile i suppose now right or one bomb or one missile on the other side so 
if your strike package includes where you got to take these 2,000 pound laser guided bombs and destroy bridges or tanks or buildings, but on your way into that strike package, oh, here's a target of opportunity. Now I'm going to shoot down this Russian AWACS. Mm. Okay, where did they put this extra munition in the aircraft? It only can carry two, so that means your strike package is only one, and the other side is the actual air-to-air missile. I mean, there's not enough room in this thing to carry two bombs and, additionally, two missiles. Yeah. Now, the other the other half of that is, all right, we hit the strike package first, and now the on the way back out, we have a target of opportunity, and we're going to shoot down this AWACS. So that still means that there's extra munitions somehow being carried in this F-117 that, to my knowledge, doesn't even have the room for it. So I, I'm not sure how they would configure that thing. Um, again, I suppose it, it really, they if you get rid of the bombs, you could put missiles in there and the, the launch system would be similar, I suppose, to what they have in the F-22 Raptor right now where uh, it's kind of on a barrel yeah, type uh, system, right? Ro- where rotary launcher. Up, drops down, rotate, get options, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not seeing it, man. I'm just not. Even my boss, like yeah. I was saying, he's yeah. like, I don't see it. Now, if they reconfigure everything and they just put those in there, just those two minutes, okay. That that's, seems reasonable and it's hard for me to counter argue against that but not with a full strike package which is only two laser guided bombs yeah yeah i, yeah. I don't see it man yeah i don't see it because you would take it out so that you could go on now do, again not knowing anything about this did they send in multiple f-117s at, at a time could you have one that was for the AWACS and the others go and get hit their strike packages or yeah, yeah i don't know again it, you know in, in desert storm um they never actually executed that type of operation where, okay, they sent in multiple F-117s, yes. But what I mean is, um, and you listen to interviews, it's actually a really good interview on the on the podcast as well. And a, the pilot did an excellent job explaining it. I really love the, the pod. I recommend your listeners to, to listen to it if they're interested in aviation like this. It's a good podcast. In fact, I would love to talk to the pilot, you know? Yeah. But... Uh, it, it, they they don't have wingmen like hmm. uh, regular fighter jets would have. You know, you have your your lead and your wingman and everything. They don't really have that. It's you're kind of autonomous. You have your strike package, and you kind of split up, and you have these designated areas where you would go in and drop your munitions and get out. Hmm. And it's all radio silence, you know, all this stuff. But they in uh, everything that I saw and recorded for the F one seventeen. They didn't go, okay, jet plane number one, you're going to take out the bridges and this building with your two bombs, right? Jet plane number two, stealth, right, behind it, and you're looking for targets of opportunity like AWACS or something. Well, the other thing to keep in mind is that Saddam Hussein didn't really have that great of an air superiority capability where he had AWACS flying around. And so it was more, it was arguably, it was more ground based radar that we had to take out hmm. you know yeah. i mean that's what he had but i but we never did that in desert storm yeah. we didn't have to yeah oh yeah yeah but yeah this was obviously for if we have to go in and secure airspace you know soviet airspace or soviet contended airspace correct yeah you're right because 
yeah, they're not flying in in groups. I mean, like the B two, they don't. So this is not this isn't World War Two where you send in like ten thousand, right? Correct. Correct. So. You know, you don't need it. it the the yeah. air warfare changed so much at Desert Storm yeah. than in years past. Even from the Vietnam War, you know, about twenty years prior to that, totally. They were still doing carpet bombing with multiple aircrafts, B fifty two, Ford, everything. It just carpet bombing, right? Yeah. Beside the the dog fighting that happened in Vietnam, but by the time you got to Desert Storm, sure, you still had B fifty twos carpet bombing, but everything else was so precision based. Mm. Yeah, and the stealth fighter weapons platform. Um, literally could put a 2000 laser guided bomb in a car vehicle traveling at 70 miles an hour on the driver's side specifically like you you could target an individual in that vehicle traveling and hit it all by itself you know in, in the you early need, 90s you didn't, didn't even need forward operators painting the target with lasers on the ground to do it the, the weapon system could do it by itself devastating absolutely devastating well, and we love doing it <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's. I mean, I told you, it's like my 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 brother said, and you know, when he was working for GTRI and doing classified research for the Air Force, said this in 2013 when Lockheed Martin announced the SR-72 in November 2013. It will be ready in 2020 to 2030, and John said that's Pentagonese for it has been operating for 20 to 30 years. Yeah, it's right. right. Yeah, it's right. So, if you nor your boss knew about this. And this is, I mean, this is a slippery slope of, sure. of, of a blank justification. So I'll try to reel it into reality, just pulling in that, that conspiracy theory fish that I let get away from me. If you guys didn't know about this, could, could, you, make the, could you make the assumption that then maybe you didn't know about its entire capabilities of what it could hold? Could it hold more than two munitions? Did it have a rotary launcher like um, on B-52s where we have the cruise missile rotary launchers? Yeah. Do you think that it could have had, maybe it it could have done more and you just didn't know about that? To answer your first question, if what this pilot said is true, which I I don't necessarily have any reason to doubt it, yeah. then the answer is clearly is yes that it still had capabilities uh, that have not been revealed to this day that we don't know about. But I I really don't think it's any if if there is such a thing. I don't see it being um, anything more theatrical or dramatic than what it is right now. Honestly, yeah. again, it you know it basically used 1970s aircraft parts from different weapon systems to put together inside this you know this Hopeless shell, this triangle shell, right? Yeah. This diamond-shaped triangle shell. No, I mean they didn't even necessarily have the rotary um, weapons pods and yeah. stuff like that back then so yeah. it just they would have to be converted to today's yeah. technology uh, and maybe we can talk about that a little bit later because in that same article and whatnot it there's suggestions that uh this thing is operational well i don't know about operational again but it's it's being flown around and maybe tested again yeah uh, so I, they're I maybe doing some other things with it or maybe they're uh they're just continuing some some scientific trials, if you will, to 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 build off of collect, you know, collect more data to build future weapon systems. But I don't know anything about that at this point. But yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so does it? You know the the other thing that um, I caught wind of because of some of the connections with the stealth fighter was 
uh, and, and again, this is pretty public, it was the airborne laser system. And so because of the configuration of, of um, the F-117, it uses essentially, uh, you know, laser guidance, which has to shoot out a laser from the nose, paints the target, drops the munitions, but the bottom laser continues uh, that laser painting the target. So as it pulls up and increases the angle, that 2,000 pound laser got a bomb, which still had a basically a continuous uh, laser lock on the on the target itself. That's why it was all self-contained. You know, it, it, yes, it could use GPS to do the same thing, but you didn't need anything else. So could you mount a laser on it for crying out loud? No, because if you look at the Airborne Laser Project, for example, it took an entire huge aircraft pull down this laser in order to even shoot it. Yeah. So F-117 just not big enough to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I don't know what else they could do. I mean, honestly, I, 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 you know, I've studied it off and on over the years, certainly while I was writing about it, and I just go, I'm not sure what else you could really do. Yeah. And, and also revealed in that, that article, dude, you know what? <laughs> the Russians are not stupid when yeah. it comes to military strategy. Yeah. They are not just going to send an AWACS up all by itself without some type of fighter escort. Yeah. You think if, if, if the F-117 doesn't even have machine guns to protect itself, what? The one big... The one air-to-air. One air-to-air missile, and hopefully we get in there because we have such a low radar signature, we can get close enough to this AWACS shoot it out of the sky and somehow these fighter escorts are not going to shoot me down if that's the case it's because it's not very plausible to me yeah because they'll see the direction of the missile again speaking from someone with a biology degree and no education any of this they'll at least see like the missile trail right the missile isn't stealth right so that you're gonna see this thing coming so at the very least you could be like you know, we can at least cut it down into that half of the sky and that half of the sky. Go that way, and then it's just, you know, it's it's stealth is radar. This isn't it's not invisible. There there right. could be you know just visual um, acquisition of targets. So could it have been a last resort type thing, like hey, like you know, you're probably going to get pegged by one of their escort fighters. Or are they just hoping that the air to, their air to airs don't watch on lock? Well, I guess that wouldn't make sense though, because if they're heat seeking, it wouldn't matter, right? Wouldn't matter if a Russian shot a heat seeking missile. Whoever's listening to this is probably like, this guy is an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But that's <laughs> why so I apologize. But well, I mean, with and, and again, it was explained in that particular interview. It's a target of opportunity. So it certainly would not, for this weapons platform, it would not have been the primary objective is to shoot down. You can do it better, uh, certainly uh, back then when I was serving with an F-15E Strike Eagle or something. Mm. From 100 miles away if you had to. I mean, it just doesn't, it's just a, a target of opportunity. So again, if it's, you know, most of the stealth missions were at nighttime. You know, the cover of darkness, it's a black plane, uh, you're flying low, you're flying high, whatever altitude. Uh, is so you the enemy doesn't know you're coming, right? So how did they even know what to look for on the radar, where to look and what sector of that radar to look for? Oh, 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 it's stealth coming. You don't know. And yeah. by the time you dropped your bombs and you're already on your way home, now they start to shoot AAA flak up in the air up and you're already nothing. gone. Yeah, it, yeah. It, 
this, oh, let's go look for a Russian AWACS or uh, yeah. an Iraqi AWACS. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Like, give me a break. Yeah, it's... It's not but, the primary role at all. But they're clearly... And it really doesn't sense. No, but... I don't see how it makes sense, logically. Why it, do no, it? no, it doesn't, but I mean, it's like any, you know, it's like any scientific method where, you know, you can't try to make the data fit your model. You have to base your model right. off the data. So if our new data is that it had this capability, we can't try to force this into our model of what we think this was for. We have to in, we have to alter our model. It clearly had this capability. This wasn't an accident. It was, it clearly was, they went out of their way to give it this. Why would they do that? Yeah. And we have to yeah. go from there. And that's, and by we, I mean you. Why would they do that? <laughs> <laughs> Putting you on the spot. Why would they, does that, that does that i mean have you ever read skunk works by ben rich i haven't read that one no you need a, i'm gonna send it to you on audible i can send you a free book you're going to listen to it that's your homework it's but they talk he, he go he goes into depth about when they were uh the was it the yf-12 was that the interceptor variant of the sr-71 it's that sounds about right yeah that sounds about right he talked about how they could fire missiles from 85,000 feet and hit things 100 miles away at an altitude of 1,500 feet with 100% accuracy. Yeah. So it's yeah. like the capabilities of these things are insane. It's well, you bring up a good point because the the actual um, the actual missiles and everything, right? The bombs, laser guided bombs, missiles, uh, the the those types of things that we had in our arsenal at the time, they had to evolve. Um, you know, Desert Storm um, made us realize that the original 2,000-pound laser got a bomb that we had wasn't powerful enough to penetrate Saddam Hussein's underground concrete bunkers, right? And so they had to upgrade it. And that's a lot of times what happens during combat is you go, you know, when the pilots come back, the debrief happens, hey, how effective and what can we do better, what, what went wrong, all this stuff. And they crunch it all together and they go, oh, we need a better bomb bunker buster to get deeper and the fuse has to be longer so it'll explode after it penetrates. Well. So what I'm saying is, is even if the stealth could have had some type of rotating barrel revolver type deal in its bay somehow and have the room to do that, we didn't really, for the stealth anyways, the way it was made, we didn't, we didn't really have the missile to do that. Mm. That was not a design, you know, every, the, the, the bombs itself, for example, were specifically designed just for that weapons platform. Okay. They weren't it, it, they weren't as universal. Like you, you don't take a stealth 2000 pound laser guided bomb and put it on an F15 or something or an F16. I mean, I suppose they could have, but these things were made specifically for that aircraft and nowhere else. Yeah. If that's No, it does. If it's so I I had on Mike Durant, the the you know, the pilot taken captive yeah. in the Battle of Mogadishu. And I read, right. I read his book and I read Black Hawk Down several times just to be ready for it. And it's he talks about in his book in the Company of Heroes. It's almost kind of funny how he says like he was he was back at like the UN controlled base or wherever you know, and he's jacked up on morphine and you know 
so it's like a dream. They hand him the phone. They're like, it's the president speaking. And he's like, what is going on? And But he says Delta Force guys come up to him. Because, you know, uh, Randy Shugart and Gary Gordon, the Medal of Honor recipients who went down and fought right. literally, literally to the death to defend him. Right. He says the Delta Force guys came over and he thought they were coming over, you know, for like, you know, what happened? Tell us what happened. You know, he said just like machines, they came over. They weren't worried about the de- not to say that they weren't concerned about their fallen brothers, but it was rather said they came over and just they asked for all the details and everything because they just needed to plan their next attack. He said just stone right. cold. They came over they're like literally with like a like a notepad. Like, could you tell us this? Because that was the debrief. They're like, we know you're higher on morphine and we know Bill Clinton's on the phone. Can you just tell us real quick? He's like, just like the professionals. He said they just leave left with a nod. And it's just all like, business, man. All just, that's what he said. He goes, he goes, just business. Just to, right. to them. It was just another day. But that makes me think, yeah, it's you come back from these crazy things and you're finding these sorties and it's it's all business. It's what happened. What do we do next? Do you think that that was incorporated, that whole little rant? Do you think that could have led to the incorporation of an air to air capability? Something happened. I don't know what, but it would be this also needs to have this capability. Do you think that could have happened? Because you're saying the bombs were designed differently. Could this have happened? Well, as far as that goes, I suppose. But if we're referring back to the uh, that secondary role role of the F one seventeen to shoot down an AWACS, to me that's just water cooler talk, right? These are just guys at Scunt Works or whatever. And like, you know what'd be really cool? Hey, man, you know what'd be really cool? <laughs> yeah. If this thing could have air to air missiles and shoot down a Russian AWACS and shove it right up their tailpipe, yeah. you know, that type of thing. Yeah. I, I think it was talk like that. Couple oh, beers, yeah. Couple beers deep at what was the bar at Groom Lake, Sam's place. Couple beers deep. Hey, what <laughs> if this right. puppy? What if this puppy can shoot air to airs? I bet you couldn't. Right. I bet fifty dollars I can. And it's just like, yeah. let's do this. It's let's play a drinking game and follow yeah. whoever makes it. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. yeah I don't know. That's the same thing. I mean, again, I don't know, but it was. It's it's it just. I literally, when I heard that, my jaw dropped, and I'm scratching my head like a monkey doing a math problem. Going, <laughs> this that makes no sense to me. This I don't get. This yeah. that I, And when my boss kind of confirmed that, I'm going. We both. Duh. Hey, how you been, man? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. That I've talked to you in 20 years. Yeah. I actually had to track him down, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. I'm, to, him. to me, that just makes it like that much. It just makes it that much like sexier. It's like, what you didn't know? Yeah. Your boss didn't yeah. know? It's like, how high does this thing go? And it's, or do are you, do they do it to see if it can be done? Because if we can do it, eventually they'll be able to do it. Is that the purpose? I don't you know. Like, why did we build a hydrogen bomb? Truman literally right. said, can they do it? And right. our top guy said, well, eventually they will. And said, okay, well, now we need to. Right. Could it be right. that? I don't know. I'm just... We, you know, there's, there's, for me, there, there's a, there is a gap in my knowledge of, of the history of the F-117 in one sense, uh, from the time it was at Tonopah, mm. when it, all the testing was going on. And, and yes, even while it was there, it did conduct some actual operations from Tonopah before it finally got um, stationed at Holland Air Force Base in New Mexico. And so with, within that, maybe in the testing phase, uh, maybe, I really don't know, but maybe that's where they might have possibly tested that capability there because by the time it got to Holloman, um, 
I don't recall it them even testing that at Holman Air Force Base, right? It was mostly ground targets because it, it's a large um, proving ground, if you will, where they have all these, they set up all these targets and whatnot, and the fighter pilots practice their bombing runs and missile runs, you know, all that stuff over and over and over again. Um, but I never wrote about anything that, hey, in addition to that, yeah, we also shot down this dummy plane, because they used to do that out there at Holman, yeah. is, you know, these... Um, yeah, like an F-4 uh, Phantom or something. and Right, exactly, because prior to the F-117, they had F-15s there. And so the F-15s used to shoot down the old uh, F-4 Phantom drones or whatever from the Vietnam, hold over from the Vietnam, and they were being dragged by these other planes, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, a lot of fun, actually, a lot of explosions <laughs> and stuff. And, uh, but I, not my time or my yeah. boss's time there as the historian, did, did we ever recall that the stealth doing that specifically again, maybe tone of ball. Yeah. No. Yeah. So do you think that can only raise the question then? Do you, what, what all do you think the B2 is capable of that we, <laughs> up to this point, thought we had a good idea of, um, I, you know what? If they're saying that about the stealth and yeah. the B two uh, stealth bomber, uh, I believe has definitely has that capability. But it, again, it it, it um, you know it's larger. Yeah, it can carry uh, a lot more. Arm bays are much larger, so you can incorporate uh, probably some different mechanical items in there that that could allow it to operate that way. Uh, but I mean, it's. I mean, the thing can drop Tomahawk cruise missiles for crying out loud if it wants to, right? Yeah. And that's the ones that drop down and the wings open yeah. up on that thing. And yeah, it's just beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. yeah, Quite yeah. Right. Amazing. Right? Yeah. Um, we love those at Desert Storm too. But um, no, I, the beat. Again, when, you, you know, you, you've got two weapon systems, two weapon platforms that, that if you can, ha if you can, if you can make it happen, you're going to do it at nighttime, mm. right? You, you don't want to engage with, against things like that that potentially could have fighter escorts or whatever in the daytime. Like you said, you know, you, you still can look out your cockpit window and go, <laughs> there it is. That? Yeah. Right? What's that, that black? Yeah. What's that black triangle? Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I, I, I would say, though, that it's, it's not going to be a specific target operation right where you're going to go that's our target shoot down the AWACS again better better weapon systems to do that with even ground-based stuff if you really wanted to could probably shoot those things down you know but no the b2 probably you know uh, that, that's not my area of expertise and, yeah and I, yeah if i comment i'm gonna look like an idiot yeah <laughs> I, mean, I think we're all idiots well i mean it's i i told i think i told you last time remember how i told you i contacted northrop grumman and oh right, yeah, right. Tried to get a word about the the B twenty one Raider and was promptly chewed out. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they gave me a. They're like, hey, just email this place and call this number and tell yeah. us, you know, because like I said, they thought I was an employee. And they're like, you're right. not supposed to be talking. And I was like, no, I got a podcast, you know. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, we'd love to. And they gave me a number. I never got called back. I never. I always wonder if they're watching. <laughs> so yeah. it might be. It might be. I, I put nothing past it now. A lot of a lot of times, though, uh, Tommy, the, these places have like public affairs offices, and That's they'll kind of yeah, they'll give you that um, 
they'll give you that standard answer, you know, oh, we have this, that, or whatever, or, you know, and you really do have to dig to kind of get underneath yeah. all that stuff. I mean, we did it all the time Yeah, uh, with the cell fighter at home, and we did all, oh, yeah, here's our standard pat answer, yeah. and it's not that it was wrong. It really, I mean, it was yeah. accurate, but... It wasn't everything. Only to, yeah. Only to a point, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Only to a, like, so. a limited hangout. Only show them so much. Yeah. Right. See, but now when you say that, and then you also <laughs> tell me that it was weather balloons at Roswell, now I'm like, are you taking me for a ride, David? I think you just outed yourself, man. Because I now know if that is a weapon you deploy. In the first episode, you 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 were very serious when you said it was weather balloons. And uh, I'm not yeah. sure if I believe you now. Can, uh, it, it was weather balloons. Uh-huh, it was weather balloons. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Swamp gas. All right. Um, you just got. You just. You just got to keep in mind. If, if you recall, um, yes, it was weather balloons. But what were they carrying? See, even a weather balloon can carry a weapons payload. Yeah. And. It, it, it's it, for so many years it that was the cover-up is um were they were conducting legitimate operations for um high altitudes and you know wind speeds current all that stuff they really were they they really were they were testing radar reflective type material even back then so i wouldn't be surprised if Maybe some data from that was incorporated into the SR seventy one U two, F one seventeen V two, all that. You know, some of the data perhaps was incorpor- rolled into it. Maybe not. Um, but again, looking at that time frame, we had one legitimate weapons platform that could carry, let's say, a nuclear bomb all the way around the world to the bad guys but that weapons platform was easily picked up on radar yeah it was massive okay. b29 right correct yeah so modified b29 right but high altitude weather balloon mylar i mean it's yeah. practically invisible too it was yeah. you know That's i would argue it's a, a potential prelude to stealth technology when you just i mean think about it if you if you get a helium balloon from dollar tree or something and you let it go and you just watch it until you can't see it anymore i don't think the ffa is going to call you know hey we got yeah. something weird on radar it's a ufo yeah they're not it's not even going to register yeah. now granted these mylar balloons were much larger yeah but still still so what was it carrying you know what was that's it carrying? I think it was carrying a. I think it was carrying a big, fat bucket of disinformation that you're feeding me right now, David. I'm insulted. Um, so, or it's yeah. so it's yeah. so unbelievable that it's actually the truth. That's yeah, the I mean that could. I mean that is often. Yeah, it's what if it's just so ridiculous that it, you know the what is that the the truth hides itself because it's so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's you know it's kind of like the idea of Operation Paperclip. It's like the idea that America, two years after being the Nazis, now harbors Nazis at a secret base in the desert and they're building rockets to go to the moon, it hides itself. It's, right. you know, you've been watching right. too much TV. Um, so, back to the F-117 still being yeah. used, Do you? I saw one comment and I thought it was an interesting idea and it was, it was, why would you not keep these, you know, 
on the back burner because in the case of an all-out war with a formidable enemy, Russia, China, maybe even like India or something, you would the most of your losses are going to be in the opening salvos. And we could have our B2 fleet knocked out. Wouldn't you want to be able to just, you know, pull out dust off some F117s because even though they're not B2s, they're still radically advanced in comparison to the rest of the world. You know, it's it's like maybe that wouldn't be a bad thing to have. You know, it's in a bunker, you're protected against nuclear blasts, but hey, why not throw a shotgun in there in case all sure. else fails and you're somehow face to face with an enemy? Why not? It's a shotgun. You can put it right there. So right. Right. do you think there could be any truth to that or any legitimacy or plausibility to that? Keep the F-117s on the back burner just for you never know? Yeah, I, I thought it always strange, Tommy. When I got out before they officially retired the F-117 from Albany Air Force Base. And, you know, I heard about it was coming down, you know, these things are going to be phased out, you know, this, that, and the other. As many weapon systems are phased out in favor of new technology and, and of course, billions of dollars uh, invested in these things and whatever. But... I always thought it's strange. I'm like, here you've got a weapons problem. I I understand. You know, it's it's really it's 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 old. I mean, it's yeah. yeah. Age wise, I don't know if I can make an argument for it. It's probably I don't know that it would be as old as the F4 weapons bomb, but F15. You know, I mean, F15's been around a long time too, and it's still in operation. But I always thought, like, you know, we're down to X number of planes for the F117. Where they just gonna send them out to these, you know, decommission them, send them out to these air parks, put them up yeah. on a pedestal, yeah. and then people can walk around. Oh yeah, look, that's the F one seventeen. Well, no, they 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 put them aside, they put them yeah. somewhere. Um, let me give you a, a different analogy to try to answer this. When I was stationed at Edwards Air Force Base, um, the SR seventy one was decommissioned from the Air Force, and NASA bought at least three of them. Okay, mm -hmm. and they converted them. By the way, they converted them to a two-seat operation as opposed to a one-seat. And NASA was flying these SR-71s stationed out of Edwards Air Force Base. And so I actually have a beautiful, beautiful picture. In fact, the frame that my stealth fighters in behind me—that uh, was the frame that was holding this. I still have the picture of the, that particular version of the SR-71 oh, yeah. with the belt, and it's got the NASA log yeah. logo and everything on it. It's, it's pretty cool. But I'm going, you know, I think I read some comments too in there. I'm like, you know, it'd be interesting. What if the CIA has it? Ah. You know, what if the CIA is operating? What if Homeland Security is is operating them? What if, you know, again, yeah. these are just what if scenarios. Yeah. Or if there's conjecturing here, um, it's feasible. You know, it, it really is. Yeah. It, they're certainly not going to use them as Homeland Defense, yeah. mind you. But yeah. they could still use them as a first strike option to whatever enemy we, we might have to face here in the future. Um, all I know is that they, they haven't 100% decommissioned them, taken the guts out of it, and put them up on pedestals. There's still you know, several of them that are operational. They, they, can, they can be used if we need to. Uh, what I don't know, obviously, um, is you know, what type of program and training did they still have ongoing? You know, obviously I knew about all that when I was the historian there at Holman Air Force Base, saw that happening day to day and all the sorties, practice sorties and everything that were flown. Uh, 
So I don't even know what that program would look like at this point in, you know, where is it really? Um, it could be at Plant 42 in Palmdale, California. Um, they, they have a history with that. Uh, of course, they could be back at Tonopah to, uh, somewhere. You know, they, they, they literally could be just in a hangar somewhere in Southern California that we don't know about. Yeah, right? yeah. But it, it's interesting. I, I think that um, it certainly could be conv- – now, here's the cool thing. We, uh, to my knowledge, the U.S. hasn't hasn't updated a U-2 or an SR-71 program to use for spying, okay? They, so that F-117, in comparison, is still a newer, in compa- yeah. younger stealth platform. Put some cameras on it. You know what I mean? They they could be using it for, for that. That's why I said uh, CIA or something like yeah. that. I'm, I'm just speculating. Yeah. Well, but I, I could see them using that. Well, your, your brother, who's been on here several times, obviously, Dan yeah. Libby, who, Dan, yeah. if you're listening, you are the flakiest man in the world. You vanish from the face of the earth for weeks and months <laughs> at a time. And then I get a call Thank at you. one in the morning saying, hey, buddy, what's going on? I'm like a worried mother, Dan. Sorry for that. All my, I'm sorry you, my <laughs> listeners had to hear that, but I'm glad they did. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Yeah, I feel the same way. Hey, he's, he's, a, he, he's moving out here, by the way. He's on. He's in route. Yeah, I don't. I don't so even believe anything. I don't believe anything Dan says anymore. No. Um, I don't no. even know if that's his real name. But Dan's friend, who I met Dan through, and thus met you through Dan. Dan's right. friend Nick Phelps, who was a drone operator. Um, he talked. He, he he talks a ton about the U two, sure. and you know he says that's his baby. It's um, yeah. but he's like we still use it. He's like just in, you know the DMZ, North and South Korea. He's mm-hmm. like we're still over mm-hmm. there grabbing stuff because he's like it's still so far ahead. He's like it's still light years ahead. He's like you'd have to put up right. so many uh, predators equipped with cameras to get what one U two can get. He's like sure. you know Nick is he's, he's a photography buff so talks about he's like i still can't tell you about what these things do but Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. makes sense if you're still using the u2 why not why would you not just slap some cameras on an uh, an f-117 like why not why not just have it or it's interesting you bring out the dmz because besides uh you know let's see you know in, in the historically in the 1990s russia's military was going through a major disaster okay uh, troops were not getting paid airstrips were being left to ruin weeds were going through the tarmacs i mean it was it was a much more scary time uh, with that russian military problem if you will in the 1990s than maybe potentially even the cold war i mean yeah because it's it's you used to have this consolidated enemy, and now it's right. splintering off. Where's the fissile material going? Where are the weapons going? Who's in exactly. control of what oligarch? Sorry, I just cut you off. Well, no, no, no. It's true, though. But so the stealth basically had two um, uh, two major roles. One, obviously, to uh, penetrate as first strike into Russia but also to support potentially even first strike in the DMZ zone. I mean, it would go Russia one way, North Korea the other way. I mean, it, they, our pilots were trained for that specific, those two scenarios specifically, and it just so happens that those specific scenarios that they trained for uh, obviously worked really well for us during Desert Storm. Yeah. It, it, so even the whole time after Desert Storm, 
you know, the, that potential threat with North Korea, the stealth were going to go against North Korea. I mean, it's I don't know if that means anything for yeah. today. Yeah, obviously, but it, it was a role that yeah. they were ready to, to play. I mean, X number were going to go here. X number of planes were going to go over here. And if we had to fight on two fronts, we were ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. On the North Korean note, what do you think's happening now? Because hasn't hasn't Kim Jong Un still not been seen in public for a while? And the rumor is is his sister is going to take over. Well, I I remember you know there were several weeks when the COVID started, which has and, seemingly vanished, by the way. Right, and then I thought that he did make a presentation, like he he showed himself in public, and quite honestly. I haven't heard anything else about it since then in Me the media, Me at least on the U.S. side, because, you know, we got rioting going yeah, on riots, and all this other stuff. Yeah. And what? North Korea? What do we care about North Korea? We're going to forget yeah. them for a minute. It was it's actually what it reminds me of is back in January of this year. <laughs> General Salami. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but I mean, we were the U.S. was so focused on impeaching Donald Trump. Yeah. No one was talking really about the coronavirus threat. Yeah. It happened just back in December, yeah. right? A month yeah. prior. And we were so focused, let's impeach Trump, let's impeach Trump. Okay, that finished, that wrapped up. And then all of a sudden, you got February now, midway through February. Maybe we should, the news people should start talking about this potential threat of the coronavirus. And they were way behind, all of them, yeah. way behind. Even the, the conservative outlets I listened to, they were way behind on this. Yeah. Okay, then Jim, uh, Kim, Jim Young, whatever. Kim Jong-un. Yeah, yeah, Mugu Gaipan, right? You know, whatever. <laughs> Is it, whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going, all right, um, what happened? Yeah. You know, I, I have no idea, man. I have no idea. I, I was hoping the guy was dead. Yeah, I'll be honest with wasn't. you. He's a, but that would just make it worse, probably. That's the thing is it's, you know, yeah. it's kind of like the conundrum with Saddam or um, Gaddafi. It's like terrible people. I mean, Saddam's was it Saddam's sons used to go to weddings and sick dogs on the groom and have them killed and then rape the bride. I mean, demonic There's people, demonic people. So let's demonic, medieval, medieval, you know, yeah, just, barbaric. So let's not just for anyone trying to get a. a Sure. A clip out of this. No, there's, they're evil. That being said, it often seems like it gets worse once these guys are removed because they're terrible people. But how do you rule a backwards medieval barbaric society with an even more backwards, more medieval, more barbaric, iron-fisted dictator who probably thinks he's got some divine appointment? Right. It's not always good to remove them. It, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. It eats itself. So I don't know. Is losing Kim Jong-un... Is you know that might not be better that he's just gone because you know at the very least when there's a dictator in power at least you know your enemy at least you know who sure. he is sure. it's you know my idea is if that Dennis Rodman's gonna could, take over he could have been he could have been sick and he was just recovering and he didn't want to look weak and uh, who knows or he's just trolling I, I us think, sure I I but. The threat still is China right now. Yeah. Okay. The the threat is still China, but in addition to that, uh, what's what's really the relationship between China and North Korea? Yeah. You know, in a conflict, who knows uh, what would happen there? Um, I think years ago I read some type of report in uh, I don't know some military magazine or something. It, it really it caught my attention. I was on a flight somewhere and 
I was reading it and it basically kind of was sketching out a scenario between the U.S. and China and the South China Sea and everything. And we have the Enterprise, USS Enterprise Carrier Group out there and Taiwan was involved with it, right? Because they believe that they're their own nation mm-hmm. and China says no. And so there's conflict there, obviously. Um, so what would happen in this particular scenario based on the weapons platforms that we had at that time and that were already out there between China and the U.S.? And we would lose a lot of lives on both sides. Hmm. But it basically, be according to this particular article, and I can't remember the name of the title of the article, uh, could have been Popular Mechanics Magazine or something. Uh, basically, they would, they would fight to a, a, a draw. So we would probably lose the USS Enterprise. I hate to say that, because that's yeah. one of my favorite aircraft carriers, yeah. personally. Um, but we, we probably would lose that. China had the capability back in the 90s for sure, for certain that they had uh, they had a massive unmanned full-scale drone fleet. So think of the battle tactics here for a minute. Kamikaze. Well, not just kamikaze, but just misdirection. Okay. Right? So you launch all these like old F4 drones, if you will, right? Unmanned, remote control, uh, and you launch your actual fighter jets, the real ones. Yeah. And so you're the radar guy on the USS Enterprise, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you look at like here's here's all these blips. Just, How yeah. do you know which one is real and which one's not? Okay. You have to treat them as all a real threat. Yeah. Either through kamikaze, like you said, right, or actual piloted jet fighters whatever strike fighters and you got and you don't have enough Mm. um air power just on the uss enterprise alone to meet that threat but in addition to that china has those land-based missile systems that they can throw at you in wave after wave yeah at your carrier fleet the carrier killers yeah i mean it was it was a really interesting article and i thought Send that wow, to me. Wow, it hasn't gotten any better. Send, now. That, send that to me. I'll, I'm going to post that on Reddit Special Access. It's because they were yeah. one of the links there the other day was talking about drones and there's, yeah, it's um, you know, spottings of potential U.S. drone swarms. Is that the next wave? Because I think it was I think the Secretary of the Air Force. This is multiple several years ago. Yeah, and he was talking about the PCA, the Penetrating Counter Air, which is going to be the successor to the F-22 and the F-35. We're already going out there, but um, which would have drone capabilities, but so he so would the B twenty one. But he said he was like just so. I think someone, the interviewer, asked a stupid question, much like I would ask, and it was like, okay, if that the PCA is going to be sixth sixth generation, is it what it would is F twenty so, fifth? I think so. Would I that, think so. I'd have, I'd have to look that up. Whatever, it'd yeah. be N plus one. So if the, let's say the right. PCA is the sixth. Someone asked, well, what would be the seventh? You know, just kind of, you know, who let's toy around with that. And he said, what you have to understand is that the Air Force is here to provide air superiority and um, overwhelming air power. Right. Said that can take on any shape, whatever is the most efficient, cost-effective, lethal, uh, unpredictable method. He said that that used to be swarms of 10,000 B-17s. At one point, it was F-117s said in the future it could be a button you press and things fall out of the sky he said it could be thousands of mini things that swarm around in unpredictable unconventional patterns 
So he's right. like, don't get tied into the idea that it's going to be a fixed one aircraft with a Top Gun guy in there. He said it could be anything. Do you yeah. think that that is the future, drone swarms? Because when we think about drones, myself included, thinking about you good to go for like another another ten minutes, twelve forty five years. Yeah, time? we're good. Okay, we're good. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, so when you you know because we have so the PCA is going to have drone capabilities. We have the Predator. We have the Reaper. We have the Global Hawk. The B twenty one is going to have drone capabilities. The X thirty seven B is in space with obvious drone capabilities. So don't don't just think that now that it's a drone that it's simply going to be what planes normally do, but now just a drone. So if we're removing people and you can sort of put these in a hive mind. He said, don't just jump to now it's a plane that does everything a plane does, but it's a drone. So these could be swarms. They could move in unconventional ways. They could literally all be in unison, moving in one, in one you know, different, it could almost be like an algorithm or like an electron cloud. Like it's all about right. probability. Have Do you think that that is the future? Do you think that that is where we're gonna go is, or you could just do, you know, relatively simple, Send ten thousand of them at a target. Which one has the payload? You know, sure, Wha whack a mole. Sure. It's yeah, yeah. I would. Uh, I'm going to say yes. That's very plausible. I mean, um, I have yet to read something in science fiction, for example, even from uh, my uh, father's generation. Who you know, he's the Vietnam generation, so he's the the son of a uh, World War II veteran, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've read books from the 1940s that were you know, science fiction based and they were ahead of their time in the 1940s with just ideas. Yeah. And so we, we've seen this in movies. And, I, and again, I'm not one of those to, okay, look at the movies as a proof text for what we could do or what we already have because a lot of them are wrong. For example, uh, there was that movie with Steven Seagal and uh, oh yeah, um, gosh, Mary. They talked yeah, about it in that interview. Well, yeah, and I'm like, oh yeah, um, I've never seen that. Executive and, uh, is executive, executive executive order or something like executive. that or executive something. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Whoever's listening well, to this is pulling their hair out. Yeah, yeah. They had the still F one seventeen picture of that. Yeah, right. It goes underneath a commercial airliner. Locks in there, and the inside it was a troop carrier. I mean, they were like twenty monkeys, you know, twenty yeah. guys, and yeah. strike team there that somehow went up that ladder. In I'm like, that's not even okay. That's again just guys like you and I talking, going, it'd be really cool. It'd be really cool, yeah. It can't, but I mean, so I look at uh, what was that latest Star Trek movie of just a couple years ago. Star Trek Beyond, um, they have that entire swarm theme that attacks and destroys the USS Enterprise. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, you can't. So you know, the USS Enterprise has a, you know a few laser turns on it. Let's say right, but it can't shoot fast enough to destroy all the drones that just destroy yeah, it. Right. Yeah. Uh, there was a movie with Harrison Ford called Ender's Game. I don't know if you saw that one. Yeah. And aliens were basically swarm-based technology, yeah. right? As far as their military tactics. Yeah. That's how we beat them in the in the movie. Yeah, at the end of the movie, right? They, they, like corkscrew right. with the. They use their own tactics yeah. against them. It's almost like a shape charge. Yeah. Right. Well, so can we do it today? Sure. You know, we uh, and you, depending on what weapon you want to put on them, you don't even have to make them as big necessarily as the predator drones we have today right i yeah. mean these little things that you can buy for 100 or 200 bucks at the store you can play with the camera on yeah. it 
I, I might be able to pack that sucker with enough C4 yeah. or something, and yeah. I can ram it right into you. You yeah. know, I mean, and have ten thousand of those, yeah. Right. I mean, that's going to stop me anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's. I was thinking about what you said earlier with that the Chinese swarm. You send, you know, which one has the payload, which one doesn't. That yeah. would be a that would be a good method to, because I mean, the one thing you do aside from like a doomsday machine where you know right. Doctor Strangelove, right. the whole purpose is to let the world know. <laughs> well, with you know with other weapons, it's you don't want them to have any idea, so that they have to figure it out on the fly, right? Right. So, right. what better way to let's say you're China, and you want to sort of pull out of the shadows make the u.s show their hand you would right. do something like that in an aircraft carrier because we think we can't possibly if they can't possibly defend it they don't have enough missiles right. so it'd be that sort of last resort scenario where they you know the captain or the admiral it's like all right you know unleash the whatever and a bunch of laser turrets pop out that's how you would get them to reveal their hand right give sure. them with an overwhelming sure. again as a 29 year old who likes memes with a biology degree i'm just <laughs> throwing throwing <laughs> stuff out there um well, think about the 1980s, right? Think okay. about the 1980s with Ronald Reagan. Um, he had the Star Wars program, right? So satellite-based uh, missile deterrence yeah. uh, for NATO, right? Yeah. To strengthen NATO and to stop and literally destroy uh, the first strike capabilities of Russia with its ICBMs. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's that's it. So you got missile base and even um, arguably uh, laser pulsar type based weapons yeah. from orbit. Yeah. Okay, that's only gotten better. By yeah. the way, I mean it's it's only got you don't hear about that anymore. Yeah. But but that's also a I don't know if it's cost effective, mind you, and I don't know if the drone scenario is cost effective in today's economy and in the world economy. But it's plausible, certainly, that um, why even create the drones when we just already have a satellite up there as a weapon platform, and we could just go uh, we're over China and fire. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Dude, that's my either a, either a we can microwave them, and those that are listening probably know what I'm talking about here. Yeah. We can microwave them. <clears throat> uh, you know, we can we have orbit-based type of ICBMs, if you will, yeah. missiles, whatever. Yeah. Um, or <laughs> guess what? We have all this space junk up there. Let's just let it decay and let the whole satellite just yeah. crash just land. Redirect it. You know? Yeah. It's a lot cheaper because that, that satellite junk is up there. Someone launched that decades ago. They paid for the thrust in the rocket to get it up there. What if you could just sure. go up there with a little thrust engine, put it on there for the price sure. of a thrust engine? You now get something coming in at uh, at reentry speeds. It's right. you know right. why put up the rods from God? The idea of the tungsten projectiles. You could mm -hmm. just grab stuff that other people launched up there. Save money. Um, I'm excited about you know what is to come with Space Force, right? Yeah. So you probably yeah, yeah, heard yeah. about that, the yeah. news project, military Space yeah. Force, and I'm going. You know, there were many guys when I was in that were were basically performing a very similar function without having the title or separate branch of military called Space Force, right? I mean, you've got these you got these men and women out of uh, Cheyenne, the mountain there in yeah, Cheyenne, NORAD, NORAD and, and they're tracking all this stuff and you know, it, it might it just it makes sense. Um, but ultimately whether a drone, more stealth capability, satellite stuff, I'm personally I'm waiting for the helicarrier. I mean Dude, I'm just gonna me go too. out on a limb here. I'm waiting me. for a helicarrier that hovers above your capital and go, what are you gonna do now? Yeah. Right? 
Well, we I'm waiting for we that. talked about this at one time. Remember, Lockheed right. Martin, 1969, drew up plans right. for the CL-1201, wingspan right. of 1,046 feet, could hold 22 <laughs> F-4 Phantoms and a crew of 845, stay aloft for 41 days, 182 lift fans and a 2.3 gigawatt reactor. You may think yeah. I may have read about this once or twice. I'm obsessed <laughs> with that thing. But that was an idea in, the, in 1969 by the That's Pentagon right. to Lockheed Martin. What is the largest craft you could build with today's technology in the event that U.S. is kicked out of our bases around the world and sure. we need to get an aircraft carrier from the ocean inland? That's right. That's right. That's it. Yeah. That's the helicarrier. Crazy. That's the helicarrier, man. Wingspan of like, oh, like four times that of a 747. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, going back to the drone thing real quick. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The pilots. When I was in talking with the pilots, um, I want to say this the right way. Um, there seemed to be this underlying current that if drone technology radically increased, say back in the 1990s, that all these fighter pilot jockeys would be out of a job. Yeah. Like you know, the robot was going to replace them, and so. You know that there was a dichotomy there i could i could see it anyways and i don't know how well they would express it or agree or disagree with me is fine uh, but i mean if i were in their position having years and hours of training and, and the government funneling these thousands of dollars into my personal training to perform a very specific task that this is the elite mm. right i mean this is this is what Every boy grows yeah, up yeah. dreams to be as this fighter yeah. pilot, Top Gun, whatever. Drop you want to rock call it. star, yeah. Yeah, silver flag, yeah. Air Force. I mean, it just Tom Cruise. That's what we wanted to be, right? That yeah. they have the best, the best lifestyles, right? They yeah. get all the hot women. They yeah. drive all the fast cars. Right? All the rides in F twenty two. Like, come on, that's yeah, what, yeah. That's right, right? That's what you know. You want to be. But I think there was a legitimate undercurrent there, concern that man. Here are these drones. And they're going to replace all of us. And how do you say that the kid sitting in a, a seat hooked up to a big giant video game is a pilot? Yeah. How do you it's, make that argument? You yeah, know. Yeah. And I'm not putting the guys down at all yeah. because – Well, two of, our, two of my friends on here, JP and Nick Phelps, they were both drone operators right. sitting in chairs exactly. in a Con Xbox. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I would argue – I mean I know the argument is, look, we're saving – we're not only saving lives – but specifically, we're saving our own American lives by not putting yeah, a pilot in. I can see that yeah. as an argument. And I get that. Um, but I, every pilot I ever talked to, though, there's no way you can take that human factor out. You yeah. just can't. Yeah. You know, the greatest AI couldn't do it. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And there's a the, – the, um, I think it was Ben Rich said it in Skunk Works. That's why they named the F-117 the f He's like, because we couldn't get these hot shot fighter pilots who were the best. He's like, You're it right. didn't come down to technology. It didn't come down to black budget funding. It didn't come down You're to right. special access program clearances. He's like, it was the human factor of getting these square jawed, ripped, blue blooded Americans who are like, I'm not flying an attack plane. I'm not flying a bomber. Maybe that is the full circle. Maybe that's why they put the air to air missile in it. Was so they could say, technically, we could. <laughs> it is a fighter. That's so, right. gentlemen, will you please join the program? <laughs> Maybe that's maybe. what it was. It was just so they could technically say, I'm a fighter pilot. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, you've got guys coming from uh, the F-16 mm-hmm. weapon system, the F-15, the A-10. Uh, you attracted those guys to get into the F-117 stealth program. Yeah, let's see. I flew a fighter jet. Why would I go to a slow bomber? Yeah, it, it just, yeah, yeah. Same rush, perhaps. You know, there's a different yeah. mentality yeah. that would be used and a psychology involved in that. Yeah, so, going from yeah, going from Delta sure. Force to to mall security. It's like. <laughs> You know, it's like, come on, mall cop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Paul Bart. It's like, oh, come on, man, don't, don't make me do that. It's, yeah, yeah man, that, yeah, make, yeah. that makes. I was gonna say, last thing, um, yeah, I always think to space-based weapons, and I'm like, is that? It is the ultimate high ground. Right. For, I mean, for any point, for I mean, once you look at just like the height of the space station, 220 miles. Don't look at that as height. Just look at it from distance to target. If you could sure. have something. 220 miles from your target at all times that's a stone's throw and what was the idea the cassaba cassaba howitzer c-a-s-a-b-a it's a nuclear shape charge yeah you put one in space and you could shoot a frying beam of x-rays at whatever you wanted potentially soviet icbms why not just point that puppy down instead of at the horizon and now you're looking at i don't know beijing tehran Maybe maybe we did that during Desert Storm. I wouldn't say. <laughs> Don't you dare tease me like that, David. <laughs> you are a bad man. You you always do this. You just leave me. Daniel does the same thing. He leaves me with a little and then poof. Just, <laughs> you guys are monsters. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm not sure what's classified or not. but um, I believe I nothing you, I you say. I, I tell you what, um, I can tell you this. Um as somewhat just as an idea anyways put this idea out there right um if you just get in a commercial airplane for example right and you're going to fly from the u.s to russia and it takes hours right i mean hours to circumnavigate the globe and, and get there however uh, that's not the shortest distance between two points you know between say washington and moscow uh, if you go about 100,000 to 200,000 feet up at an arc yeah and then come back down, you know, you you can do it in an hour or two or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can. It's you, Elon Musk's so, plan. I'm sorry. That's Elon Musk's plan. He said he wanted to wipe out airline industries. Correct, yeah. and that has been around for a long time, by the way. In fact, if you think about it, that's really the ICBM model, yeah. right? I well, mean, that's exactly it, what it is. It doesn't navigate; it just goes altitude, yeah, and then come back down. So it's all angles, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, but again, if you're already like you said, 220 miles up or whatever, satellite or a space station or something. I'm I'm surprised we haven't heard more about this, quite honestly. I think uh, it makes just, perfect sense we haven't heard more about it. Well, yeah. Again, like I said, there was that Star Wars program back in the 1980s, and there's this other stuff that we have up there. And uh, it, I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. we. I think it would make perfect sense to keep that quiet that would be your sure. that would be yeah no pun intended yeah that would be your that would be your trump card you could have all your right. stealth bombers you could have everything and if you really needed to at the very end you could be like all right we can fry because icb like you know the importance of icbms was it wasn't now that russia has or the soviets got atomic bombs and then hydrogen bombs it then became who can deliver it the fastest right, right? it became about the delivery system and garrett right. graf's raven rock he talks about there's a direct quote with um, 
some journalist having dinner with JFK. And he in JFK says, you know, the Soviets smuggled in uh, pieces to a fission bomb in uh, diplomatic bags. And it's on the third story of the Russian uh, embassy in D.C. And the journalist mm-hmm. goes, yeah, sure. Why not? And he goes, I'm not kidding. He goes, they brought it in there. That's an instant strike. And he said, OK, yeah. And apparently Kennedy stopped with fork between mouth and plate and says, do you know something that I don't? <laughs> I mean, so instant strike. I mean, if you could get a, a laser based weapon. 220 miles above, going at light speed, 186,000 miles a second. That is instantaneous strike. That's right. That is. That's right. Um, I mean, yeah. And it ties in the airborne laser project that we yeah, had out of Albuquerque. When I was stationed down in you know Hallman, up in Albuquerque. It's all there. I mean, it's at least the you know the concept has been around a long time, a lot longer than we when we think. So the Nazis wanted a death ray. Well, yeah. I mean, if the if that giant plane to shoot an airborne laser to basically shoot down ICBMs at a hundred miles accurately, if, if if that wasn't big enough for some reason, well, you know, space station or a big orbit, satellite yeah. or something would be yeah. all right. You yeah. know, and and the coldness of space to boot yeah. somehow fucking yeah. that it cool make a, a coolant somehow. Yeah, give it a shield. Give it a solar shield. Let you things know, drop I mean, down a negative a hundred. Yeah. They're not going to put it on the International Space Station because it's an international space station. Yeah. So how are you know you got the Russian guys and the Chinese guys? China's right? banned. What's that? I found that out this morning. Did you know China is banned from the International Space Station? Is that recent? Because I I don't know if it's recent. I'm ashamed that I don't, I don't know, know, but I saw no, that I this morning. That. They are banned. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> but but yeah, you're right. Have the Russians up there? Have someone else up there? Did you know that the the Russian uh, was it Mir? It was one of their early space stations. No, Sal. I think it was Salyut. S A L Y U T. Did you know it had a twenty millimeter uh, AA gun on it? Like a cannon on it. It had a cannon. They had a weapon oh. in space, and it was no, no, it was not. so it was so if anyone came and tried to tamper with it. Sure. In Russian style, just putting it up there. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't know, man. Um, so I've been meaning to do this. If if I was able to field some questions for you from the the good people at R slash uh, Special Access, like I sure. said, it's a rel. You know, compared to other subreddits, it's a relatively mature professional subreddit. No memes, no swearing. I always get my stuff banned for that, but. If I could, if I could post something and say like, hey, you know, here's some questions. If you know David Libby will do his best to answer them, would you do? I don't, I don't know what the questions would be. I have no idea what they would be, but I don't know. That could be fun. Would you be willing to do something like that? Yeah, I wouldn't no, mind trying to. Fill yeah. some, I mean, I can answer what I can answer. Yeah, answer what you. Yeah, I would send them to you beforehand. I don't know when it would be. It might take a week. It might take a month. But we could. Sure. I think sure. that would be really cool. Yeah. So um. Also, well, even if even if even if you're. Uh, you know, if you have any comments from viewers or whatever, and they're shooting questions out, asking even just the crazy ones, you know, it'd be fun to. Oh yeah, they, no, that'd be fun. That'd be uh, super like fun. An email bag type deal or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Just post whatever. It could be a serious question. It could be, yeah, sure. it's a. It could be anything. It could be a fun episode. Yeah, no, I'd love to do that. Um, yeah, me too. Me too. La- lastly, I wanted to say, um, last time you were on, we were talking about homesteading, which is what you do, and we were talking about how you were largely untouched by coronavirus, and now looks. You look like the most intelligent man in the world with riots and COVID, <laughs> and you're out there just, you're untouched by it all. You're just out in God's country, just. So hats off to you, sir. You're brilliant. <laughs> you're you I, got off the well, grid. I, we're not 100 percent off the grid, but yeah, you know we're 
trying to, you know, on a limited financial budget, trying to do that as most self-reliantly as possible. I listened to your podcast with, uh, was it Paul, uh, just the other day? Paul Whitcomb? Welcome, yeah, and you guys, the you know, lawyer, he's out of yeah. Chicago, and he was talking about some things, and, and you know, I, I know this could be an entire another topic, but um, there was a couple things he said in there that I thought were really interesting, and uh, I'll send you a link for something I think you would be interested in for you know a future podcast when I. But he was talking about okay, so you know, we've got all this civil unrest in the cities, and he said that it's spreading to the yes. suburbs, right? Yeah. But then after that, he said, well, there's only one other place to go to the rural areas, and that's when the people really will start dying. And that's when it's game over. <laughs> that's right, because that's what would happen at my place. That's you know exactly what, I mean? what would happen, like, dude. Yes. I'm like, dude. Uh, too many people have guns where I'm yeah, at. You know it's, what I'm it's, <laughs> by the way, when I when I said go to 145, I was just saying that because I wasn't sure if you were busy. I can keep talking. I don't. I don't oh, care. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good right now. I'm good right now. You good to keep chatting? Yeah, let's chat a little bit about this because I, right. I. All right. I, yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah, I, I found that. I, I, no, man, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's as someone that went to school in southern Georgia for two years, Valdosta, yeah. Georgia, and as someone with family in rural New Hampshire, man. And as someone that's lived in cities, Atlanta, Portland, right, um, there's a disconnect that I think people that have never left cities don't quite understand. When my friends from rural areas that had never seen a subway or a skyscraper before go see the cities, yeah, it's cool, but it, it's like you know, it's it's like oh, it's fun. It's like the inverse. You don't understand the level of not just independent, <clears throat> literal independence and self reliance in carrying right. weapons around, but also just the general disregard for your feelings it's if you come out yeah. there screaming you know riots protests and you come onto someone's farm hey man if you go up to them and just say hi they'll invite you in for dinner they'll they'll put clothes on your back That's on right. the flip side of the coin if you go onto their property doing any sort of damage these people will put a round through your forehead at 200 yards and That's they right. won't think anything of it they'll probably it, bury you and say a mass for you but you don't understand that is it is it's it's not good luck Good luck, you know. That's you know my my wife and I before we moved from uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico. Uh, you know we were living uh, in, in anywhere from thirty five to forty five minutes from the border, right, of Juarez, Mexico, and hmm. you know El Paso, Texas. Juarez, right there on the border, and easy shot driving on Interstate ten. But man, we we when we first got the idea to homeschool our kids and try even in a city situation with the less than a quarter acre lot in the dirt desert dirt you can't grow jack squat right except weeds yeah Um, we were trying things back then uh, to figure this out because we you know like okay uh you've got one of the uh you've got one of the largest army bases there in el paso texas but you're that close to the border with all the problems with the drug cartels and where I was teaching at the time was, it was kind of a stopping point, you know, for funneling drugs and cartel and moving people, illegal immigrants, you know, all Human this trafficking. stuff. Never had a problem with it per se that there, but we just thought if, if, if the stuff hits the fan, we are so close to this large metropolitan area that it would not take long for those city residents to once they run out of food and, and essentials or whatever they're going to go 
we're just going to go half an hour north to where we were at, and we're going to go take that over. I mean, yeah. what would stop them, well, quite that, honestly? Th- that was know? part of Cold War planning. I, I plug it almost every episode. Garrett Graff's Raven Rock, my favorite book, uh-huh. one of the best-selling yeah. books on Audible. But it's about government continuity. One of the things is talking about building, like, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, building your own bunkers and everything, and the gun thy neighbor debate. And one of the guys, one of the guys interviews said he has a gun in there, and he said the bunker door is to keep the nukes out, the guns to keep the neighbors out. But there was plans where it said, you know, they had these little towns outside of like California, and they sure. said, hey, be prepared for the five million um, Los Angeles Los Angelian refugees that are going to come That's storming right. your place, hungry, looking for food and water. That's right. Have a gun, and it's a brutal thing to think about, but it's like. The enemy doesn't necessarily have to be a foreign adversary. It can be they make a metropolitan area unlivable, and now you have a wave of desperate people coming sure. at you. What's that awesome quote? Society is sorry. Civilization is four meals away from uh, collapse. You get four meals. You go. You've missed four meals. So what, a day and breakfast. Rationality right. and patience is gone. You're yeah. right there. Oh. You're. But yeah, it's. I always. I always get that feeling whenever I like go into Manhattan or Atlanta. Even five, ten years ago, when all of the madness of 2020 was a distant, you know, pipe dream at best, mm-hmm. pipe nightmare, is even on just a normal random July 2011, just going to a Braves game in Atlanta. Right. There was something that, and I always just thought I was an anxious, paranoid person, probably am, but. There's something about going to see that I just feel like I'm in a tinderbox. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm in a, I'm in a house dosed with gasoline, just walking around, and all it takes is one piece of metal hitting another, and there's a spark. There's just something about being in cities where it's like, in when everything's fine, yeah, you have this, these these cultural laws. It's you know we all have our own apartments, and you know you'll pay for food. But it's like what my brother used to say about the yellow dotted line in a road. So just remember, it's just a social agreement. It's right. not. A, it's not a meeting, and it's a. It's a line. It's a painted line. That That's semi truck right. can come right at you. So, going into cities, I always just got that feeling. It was like that everything is peaceful right now, relatively. Manhattan mm-hmm. Island. There's 13 million people in relative peace and harmony. That can go out the window. And I now look at COVID 19, and I look at right for everyone listening. It's June 5th, 201, June 5th, 2020, 2:01 p.m. Eastern. For future reference, with all this going on, man, it is. I don't want that social agreement when tensions are so high. When you have four years of of the country being divided, followed by three months of quarantine and isolation, like a pressure cooker, followed by mm-hmm. riots, which is just the the spark in the tinderbox. Man, does it not look more appealing than ever to be out in God's country, armed to the teeth with my own food source? For, yeah, the, yeah, the only thing I haven't set up yet is, you know, Claymore tripwires and, <laughs> uh, and and some razor wire and stuff. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, like, yeah the, the Claymore Roombas, you ever seen that meme? For when, yeah, yeah for, for when the three-letter agencies come banging on your door, make sure you have some Roombas with Claymores. And because they always shoot your dog, make sure you have a taxidermy dog filled with Tannerite. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Mm, it's, I hadn't thought about the scene. Now that's getting creative. Yeah, you got to think about it. You got to have. just lives down the street, by the way. There you so go. Gonna, you got to have the Claymore Roombas, <laughs> the taxidermy dog filled with, filled with Tannerite, and you got to have speakers 
blasting music so that they can't communicate on their radios. Yeah, if you really want yeah, to throw yeah. in some some psychological warfare, you get on a PA system and you read the Bill of Rights <laughs> as yeah, they're yeah. trying to raid your house. Let them know. It's compliant. It's a mimic compliant. Yeah, and meanwhile, it's blasting. They say the thing you got to do is you just got to blast Fortunate Son. That's how they know they're coming into a, a hairy situation. I was thinking Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. The Ride of the Valkyries. Exactly. You know? have, some, uh, yeah, have some veteran flags outside, and that's when it's like, yeah. hey, man. One of us ain't going home. It's, you know, uh, yeah. right. my wife, my wife and I were sitting on the back porch last night and we were, we were just talking about what's going on in the country. And we were, uh, you know, people do this, obviously we're doing it right now. We're just talking about a what if scenarios, this, that, and the other. And you, I know you and Paul were talking about it. Like, what is that spark, right? That might, that might trigger civil war or all out war with china even you know that type of thing is it arch ferdinand he's whatever it is but we we were talking specifically about um okay a second civil war in the united states you know all these preppers they talk about that stuff these doomsdayers Mm -hmm. they talk about this too Mm -hmm. but what would that really look like and all i can come up with you know all she and i could come up with was this is it, this may not be necessarily as clear cut where the line is drawn between north and south as it is where you have these pockets rural urban of, of like cities for example that are riding like this and and that's the civil war because then you've got the national guard and federal troops or whatever but it it i i just i, I don't know i just don't see it as north okay, south going to yeah. draw the line here, right? Here's the Mason-Dixon line again, and it's going to be the South against the North, because we're not fighting against slavery. No. I mean, that, it would, that's not the issue. You're right. It would be it would be resource, would it, it would be resource competition. Cities, right. I mean, exactly. you ever looked at the logistics for just food delivery to cities? On-time right. delivery of perishable goods? Dude, right. it is... It is like as complex as an anesthesiologist balancing different drugs to keep you asleep, to not have reactions, to immunosuppressants. It is like surgery. We, mm-hmm. I mean, it lives on a razor's edge. Right. Dude, right. and you're riding and you're burning down everything. It doesn't even matter what the law is. How many truck drivers are you going to get that just say, I'm not driving in there. Are you an idiot? You're That's paying right. me 20 bucks an hour to go in there? Yeah, right. It's. I think what yeah. you would have is you would have these self-sufficient pockets you'd have these pockets on lakes and in mountains in the glorious north georgia and new england and right you would have yeah tennessee you would have yeah you would have those uh what was the saying uh clinging to their guns and religion yeah i think those would be the ones surviving man it's yeah it it is it's unfathomable to some degree Oh yeah, it's not it, something you like want to happen. Don't get yeah. For anyone listening, this isn't some no, fantasy no. about happening. It's no, and, and I don't as a you know as a patriot and yeah. as you don't want full-blooded American. This is yeah. not what I want. And just, just they, as just a human being, yeah, as just a human being, I don't I don't want yeah. to see anyone getting stopped by the National Guard. It's yeah. but man, when you when you're just burning cities. No one with a rational mind is going to stay there and or put up with it. You know, people are saying, how come everyone isn't rising up against the military occupation in D.C. or the National Guard sitting outside Chicago? Because there are a lot of people who 
they're looking at it and going, hey man, y'all are burning my city. I don't mind if they come in. The reason why they're not rising up is that they're they're quiet and they're going, because I really don't care if you guys get stomped. I mean, yeah. and then you have the whole delicate situation of, well, man, well now you're putting military on U.S. soil and that. But, I mean, at a certain point, you have to just come down to basic logic, looking at it in one window of what is happening today. I am Bob's store owner. I own a pawn shop. They're throwing flaming trash cans through my window. If I defend myself, if I defend myself, I'm somehow a racist bigot. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's not black and white, man, no pun intended. It's not black and white. You can be, have you watched the George Floyd video? It's horrible. I haven't, I, it's horrible. I haven't watched, yeah, I haven't watched that one. No, I haven't it's watched ho- that one specifically. It is horrible. I've been watching all these other videos. Yeah, the riots. But, where the majority of them, it's black against black, for example. Yeah. You it's, know, where all this stuff is happening, too, on top of that. And you just, yeah. I don't see how it's justified. So. Yeah, it's, it's that black police chief was killed. Defend, right. defending a right. pawn shop and it's not brought right. up so the point i was saying is i mean the george floyd video is heartbreaking it is it, yeah. it's hard to watch it is and so but what i wanted to get to is so you watch that and you're you know if you have an ounce of humanity in your body you go well yeah of course this has to change you go we can't keep doing this this is insane anyone with a heart goes yeah yeah you got to protest but now it has been hijacked to just stealing whatever you want, burning down whatever you want, running over police officers with SUVs, beating women with two by fours. These are all on video. And if you come out against that and go, that's not good. Well, now all of a sudden you're against enacting change in the wake of George Floyd. And it's like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. You know, it's if you support the troops, that doesn't mean you support massacres and civilian casualties. It's just, you know, it's it's this gotcha, this whole, you're against it? Okay, you're a bootlicker. You're not for changing America. And it's like, I am for changing America, man. I'm not, you're not going to win anyone's hearts and minds when you're burning down a radio shack and then beating the owners to death. Would it be any different if, uh, you know, I didn't live during this time period, neither did you, but I'm certainly against the Holocaust with the Jews, right? But if I yeah. say I'm against the Holocaust... What the leftists and Democrats would say today is, "Oh wait, I'm being a bigot towards the Nazis." <laughs> I don't, I don't know if they'd say that, but in a, in a long okay. enough timeline, okay, <laughs> okay. But yeah, no. Oh, oh, if you bring up the fact that the Chinese have concentration camps for Muslim populations, right, right. Oh, dude, you'll be you'll be shadow banned from Reddit. You'll be charged with wrong thing. How dare you? It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> man, it's. It's, you know, Iran's denouncing the United States right now for our riots, saying you can't treat your people like that. And everyone's cheering. Yeah, see, even Iran's telling us, it's like, dude, Iran's the same country that throw homosexuals off building tops and have city center decapitations for people that don't follow the religion by the rule of law. Like, dog, it's, that's not even the teapot calling the kettle black. That's, you know, it. I, I I hope there's a there's a I think there's a silver lining in this. I I, I do too, and I and, and I hope that one of the possible silver linings is, hey, we need to rethink our society. We need to rethink even things like our educational system. We need to rethink um, how how do we defend our own country and people against another potential pandemic. Um, there's uh, again, I'll send you the link. Yeah. But um, watch the episode that I'll send you in 
talking about before it became the CDC, it was basically the the original name for it was like the National Security of you know against malaria or something like that, and, and it was basically uh, the World War II GIs that kind of you know that that generation that came up with this idea because they saw it as a actual uh, national defense. Oh well, yeah, for it's- our country against you know pandemics essentially, right? And eventually, and they had. You know, thousands of people or whatever that would uh, that would you know go out as far as public health is concerned and do the trace you know interview people trace it whatever get them to hospitals or whatever it was and then eventually um, pharmaceuticals vaccines and drugs took that over and replaced the people it's kind of like the drones yeah um, yeah you yeah, know right replacing the actual physical pilots yeah and so we're going to spend all these millions of dollars in development r&d for vaccines drugs or whatever and so now we don't have the people and guess what we can't do yeah we according to fauci too we can't do the type of tracing that South Korea and Taiwan and even Singapore to a degree have been able to do with this plague, we don't have the manpower. Yeah. And it would take hundreds of thousands of physical people to go and do that because you can't do it with technology. You have to do it yeah, one-on-one, make yeah. phone calls, and tr- trace the stuff down to get a hold of it. Yeah, They were able to do it. Those countries were able to do it. We can't do it. Yeah, We've changed the policy. Yeah, it's. I was going to say, um, Everyone knows about Operation Paperclip, where we went in and we got all these Nazi rocket scientists, biowarfare scientists, chemical scientists. I mean, we always we always know about the rocketeers like Werner von Braun. No one knows about like Otto Ambrose, the chemist. It's we we brought in more than just rockets. But outside of all of that, a lot of people don't know about Unit Seven Thirty One of uh, the Japanese Armed Forces in World War Two, who, according to what is named Jocko Willink, the Navy SEAL, he has an awesome podcast called Jocko Podcast. He was like Unit Seven Thirty One. Yeah, he's like Unit Seven Thirty One made the Nazis just look like misbehaved boys. Unit Seven Thirty One. I'll send you the link to that podcast. Yeah, that is an yeah. insane podcast. But it was all about bio warfare because General Ishii was their guy, and his whole concept was America is a machine society that replaces things much faster than we can destroy them. But you mm. can't replace people that fast. So what he wanted to do was create artillery shells with plague with um, influenza, with um, bubonic plague, with um, smallpox. And they did tests and killed thousands of civilians doing this. But what did we do? We went in, the United States went in, same thing with Operation Paperclip. It's a lot less known. We brought over the best guys because we figured if we don't get this stuff, the Soviets are going to get it. And everyone could see the on the horizon, okay, we're going to be, probably be going at a fist war with the Soviets soon. Okay. So we went in, brought them all over. They all went to the heads of a board of directors of a lot of big pharmaceutical companies and medical schools in the United States because they had the information. They knew yeah. they did five yeah. years of research. And it's, you know, the U.S. is like, that's bad. But when you're thinking about national security and defense of a nation, you often go to the very ends of what is deemed reasonable. No one wants to drop a nuke on people, but we saw it as the ultimate best solution. Same thing with all this bio-warfare. We went in and gave these war criminals just, we gave them citizenship, gave them some fancy pensions. And it's, um, but that was a legitimate thing. And that's so, from the, from the get-go, from World War II, it was seen as, to what you were saying with the CDC, it was seen as a legitimate form of national defense. That's right. It's it's That's right. it was just as it would 
Because let's say COVID-19, let's just put on our tinfoil hats, let's say it was a bioweapon. Look at what it's done. Mm-hmm. Like, look at what it has done. That is a lot more damaging than... Financially, that's more damaging than 9-11. Not the... Not the in the wake, the wars, and the trillions of dollars spent, but in terms of just economic loss, hundred thousand, a hundred thousand Americans dead, dude. That 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 is an effective weapon as any, probably a lot cheaper too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Paul Stamets, uh, um, I don't know what the correct term is. A correct, he's like a mushroom researcher. I can't think of the scientific name, but he was on Joe Rogan years ago. And he was talking about these things, and one of the mushrooms had like had like explosive properties. If it was like isolated, something weird. And Rogan goes, "He's like, oh, what mushroom? Could you tell me?" And Stamets gets straight face, and he goes, "I reserve the right to not tell you that for my own personal safety and my own like legal incarceration prevention from the United States government." And Rogan <laughs> just gets quiet, and he goes, "What?" And he says it again. He goes. I reserve the right to not answer that question because he did work for the biodef or was the, it's I don't think it's an official agency, but it was a biodefense like anti uh, counterterrorism network, and it's like yeah I don't know how we got into this topic, but um nah, it's <laughs> weaponized yeah I it's, think it's weaponized COVID nineteen is weaponized was, it'd, it'd be brilliant if it was I don't yeah. want it to be, but it's brilliant yeah I don't like the idea I mean the Delta Force guys I had on. They both said they both yeah. worked for a three-letter agency that they are not legally allowed to say they right. worked for, right. but they both said they said yeah I have no doubt in my mind they said yeah this is this is this is a bioweapon it's no different than us using the Stuxnet digital virus against Iran it's just a it's a different it's an it's a different form of warfare yeah. you can't go to the U S you can't go against the U S toe to toe with missiles and bombers what did General Ishii say. America is a machine society, so hit them with these. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. All right, David. But um. Thank you, dude. Thank you for doing it. Um, I don't think we have gotten any closer to the answer of the F one seventeen. If anything, I just feel a little bit even further in the murky haze. Um. I'll. Okay, I have some stuff to ask you off camera. I'll text you. Oh. do you think your boss would do this podcast? You don't have to answer that right now. You, just, you don't have to answer that right now. Text me. Um, yeah. yeah, we need to get to the bottom of this. I'm gonna find this. I didn't, yeah, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna see if I can get that fighter pilot on. I wanna see if I can get that fighter pilot on to come talk with you. That would be an episode. That that would be good. That, that would be that insane. That would be good because um, I mean, again, there's nothing like sitting in the cockpit of this thing yes. and flying it day in and day out. Yes. So you, you have a firsthand knowledge that even though I physically went and looked and touched it and, you know, I had to become familiar with it, sure. but not to that level. I mean, just, you can read all the specs, you can read all the history, you can write about it, you can interview, but I, there's no way I could ever speak for those pilots that were doing it day in and day out yeah. and the, the amazing job that they did, uh, f- flying the training missions, the sorties, um, and then passing that knowledge on to the next generation that came after them as well. Yeah. I mean, this guy wasn't in there the whole time. I mean, obviously, you know, he eventually moved on and retired and became national air national guard pilot and retired from that. And they probably did some civilian stuff if I remember right. Um, but those guys, kudos, man. I mean, you want to, you want to talk about a breed of, of men, you know, because I don't know of any women that were fighter pilots for the F-170, but a sure. breed of men 
uh, that went above and beyond. Hats off always to the them. Right and, stuff. And, that's oh, right. Last that's right. last thing, I'll let you go. <laughs> I need to find it. I watched the secret space shuttle programs of the United States, and they talked about how there were military missions slipped into the shuttle launches. But even like within the shuttle launches, only one guy would know the military mission. And there's, I can't, he's a famous astronaut, he's a black astronaut, but he had clearance from the Department of Defense. And they talk about, one of the old commanders talks about, he goes, yeah, we were up there on like day three, and then, you know, it was don't ask, don't tell, it was, and then one day, how many are there, seven astronauts? So he goes, one day, six of us just, you know, we just got busy, you know, got busy, we were just looking down, and without saying a word, the seventh astronaut, went back put put i don't know if he did an eva an extravehicular activity but he went right. and single-handedly deployed a a department of defense package yeah. and he goes yeah. and we all pretended like we didn't see it obviously they all knew but they weren't cleared so they right. all pretended like they didn't see it and he came back in and pretended like he did nothing and then we resumed the mission and no one ever said a word about it and so yeah, it almost seems like you got to get to the guy who is in the actual craft. I think that's where we're right. going to get with the fighter pilot. He'll know. Right. He'll know. I don't know he'll if he'll know. tell us anything. David, yeah. blink twice if there are some CIA men in the room. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, David Libby, David Swamp Gas Libby, yeah. David Weather Balloon Libby, a homesteader, <laughs> a great American, a veteran from an awesome family. Tell your brother to stop being a sketchball. And uh, thank you for doing this podcast, sir. Stay safe. Stay healthy. God bless America and God bless you, David. Thank you so much. Hey, you too, Tom. Thanks, Take buddy. care, buddy. Right, peace. Bye bye.